Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another Yogi Misfit Sessions. My name is Danny Pomploon, and I am your host. Welcome to session 79, and it is already the middle of June. If you're listening to this episode when it airs, it's June 12th, which means that we're halfway through 2019, and that to me is a mind-boggling. I feel like I have no idea what has happened to the year this year, but whatever. Anyway, here I am in the middle of June. Super excited to uh, uh, be coming at you guys with this episode today. It's really, really powerful. It's uh, one of our Fierce Calm collaborations. Um, if you guys haven't heard of Fierce Calm yet, they're a great organization based out of the UK. Um, Dr. Lee Watson started it, and uh, he uh, basically just started this little Instagram account and had people share their stories of how yoga has saved them in one way, shape, or form. Um, and it just keep gr- it keeps growing and growing and growing and growing, which I think is absolutely beautiful because it gives people the time and the space to you know, normalize conversations that wouldn't necessarily be normal or people would want to talk about. So I'm really excited about today's episode. I'm also excited because it's um, summer. Yeah. So it's officially, I'm in San Francisco, if you guys don't know. Um, So we don't really have much of a summer, but over the last few days, it's been pretty nice. There was like a couple windy days in between, but we actually have like some nice, like shiny, some nice summery warm days out there. And it also means that festival season is coming up so i'll be bopping around at a couple festivals i have a few things that are happening here in san francisco over the summer i've got um, a core workshop happening on june 15th and then i've got another workshop happening on july 6th with jacob manning who's an awesome yoga teacher based out of um, orange county and we're doing an arm balancing um, workshop together Um, yeah and then it's festival season Uh, i've been working on a lot of core work in general in my own practice and I've always been geeking out on arm balance a bit arm balances it's super fun and a really good time for me to play on my hands it gives me like this sense of, of liberation anyway speaking of arm balancing I have been working on this five-part video series um, it's like an online course basically um, but you get five videos uh, we do Bakasana, uh, which is crow pose. We do Parja Bakasana, which is side crow, and then we do a couple of the other other arm balances that I love so much. And there's a 10-minute warm-up video, and there's a 10-minute cool-down video. And uh, I am just giving this whole thing away to my community and to my tribe. So that's all of you podcasters listening in. Um, it's going to be releasing out um, at the end of June. We're just putting. Finished putting the last uh, uh, sparkly touches on it. Um, yeah, and it's a free five week course. You get to keep these videos forever. Um, yeah, and you can sign up by uh, going to www.dannypomploon.com and the slash is going to be email. So www.dannypomploon.com forward slash email and then you enter in your information and then boom, you get a little welcome email that keeps you. Um, in touch with all podcasting things and then as soon as the uh, program starts coming up in a few weeks you get that five-week program to practice at home whenever you want again it's fully accessible to you whenever you need it and it's 100 free it's my little gift to say thank you to the community um i haven't done one of these little giveaways uh in quite a while and so yeah i feel really good about it so if you're gonna sign up for the free video course sign up www.dannypomploon.com dot com forward slash email. 
So outside of the arm balancing and the summary things, it's festival season, y'all, which means that it's party time. <laughs> Festivals are always a really good time. Um, I personally have a really good time because it's like social hour. I, I never get to hang out with a bunch of other yoga teachers. It's like we're all teaching at the same time or someone's traveling or someone's doing whatever. or Someone has a workshop at the same time. So it's like the one time out of the year where I get to hang out with my colleagues. And I also get to connect with a bunch of other community members from around the nation and people that come around the world. So I'll be hanging out at uh, the Wonderlust Squall Festival, which is the weekend of July 19th. And then I'll be hanging out at the Asheville Yoga Festival, which is uh, the last weekend in July, which is also my birthday weekend. So if I see you there, come give me a high five. And then I'll be hanging out at the Barefoot Yoga Festival, which is happening in August. Um, and you can find all this stuff um, and information on it in my uh, in my schedule page on my website. But I'm super pumped. I'm going to be doing some chanting, um, tossing out my favorite class, which is uh, Beats and Bhakti. It's me chanting a lot and then doing a really fun flow. And then uh, we're doing it all to a, a deep house set that was specially mixed for it. So it's a super, super, super good time. So I hope you guys enjoy um, all the giveaways and... I wanted to remind everybody too, if you guys have any requests or things that you could use or stuff that's actually going to benefit and serve you, like there's nothing more that I cannot stand when people just try to give you stuff that you just don't want or don't need. So, I mean, this wouldn't be possible without you guys. So let me know what you want. You can always send in an email or leave comments in the show. Uh, that's always really good. And I'll make sure that I leave all these links in the show notes as well. So you can click on the little link and know where to get the free things at. Um, yeah. So back to episode 79, I am so honored and so excited to have Melanie and Jennifer on the show. And and this is another, uh, the fierce calm collabs and it's like, again, I just love sharing these stories because again, it normalizes these conversations that can be pretty scary to have. Uh, they can be almost shameful. And so I think that the more that we, we spread this message and, um, and connect with each other about it, the, the better it gets for all of us, right? The better we all get to actually be in this yogic state. So yeah, I'd love to thank our friends, of course, over at SF Yoga Magazine. They are super cool. They're super awesome. And they give us so much love and support. It's just really great to have them um, on our side. And the last part is, you know it's coming, iTunes reviews really do help. So you have to hear me every week say this, and there's a reason why I say it, is because the show grows when you leave an iTunes review. So if you can, please leave an iTunes review. It takes maybe two minutes and there's a little link down below with a how-to section. So it's even like spoon fed to you. My goal by the end of the year is to get to like 500 reviews. I'm only at 68. So, so that means I need, I need you to help me out with this one, please. <laughs> Double time for your boy. Okay. So I can keep this podcast going. Um, yeah, leave a review down in iTunes. It really does help. Um, if I see you in person, I will give you a big hug and a high five. Um, if I don't see you in person, you can just shout me out on Instagram and I'll make sure I give you some love. Um, but it really does help out the show so, so much. It, it, um, it spreads the word. It allows us to be moved up so that people can see it. And yeah, it helps everyone do it. Remember, remember the podcasters are, are out here solo. <laughs> so anyway, without further ado, hope y'all enjoy 
session number 79, the Fierce Calm collab. Now, Jennifer and Melanie, I have to tell you, this is the first time I've had multiple guests on the show. Well, we're excited to sort of, you know, <laughs> to break the bank there. <laughs> Y'all are trendsetters. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That is a huge uh, compliment. Yeah. Yeah. Thank I mean, you. it's, it's pretty cool because I, I, one, it's, it's nice to get more than one. I mean, uh, listen, I get to do this thing all the time and I get to talk to people and hear other, I hear, uh, you know, one person's perspective, but to get two people's perspectives and to hear more stories at the same time, let's bring it on. <laughs> We're ready to bring it. <laughs> so this is, this is one of my favorite, uh, I love doing the shows, uh, when I get to collaborate with Fierce Calm, just because I, I mean, I feel like I sound like a broken record, but I love the Fierce Calm platform. I love what they do. I love that, you know, I've got shame in my story and of course all the things and, and yoga helped me get to where I'm at today, but to normalize these conversations and to have mm -hmm. these conversations out loud is such a gift. Um, this, this actually, I'll, I'll share this. This past Friday, I was at Love Story Yoga, which is a studio here in San Francisco. And, you know, my story has been published before in magazines and in prints, and I've never actually spoken out loud about my story in front of a group mm. of people. I've done recordings of it. And there was 120 humans. And I was wow. like, uh... <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it all came out and afterwards I, I felt so, you know, raw and vulnerable. And, and I, I mean, I was supposed to go to dinner with friends afterwards and I was like, I think I need to go home and just sit. <laughs> <laughs> right. But you know, it was, it was very cool because it's so cathartic. And also, you know, there were a lot of people that were like, thank you. I, I would have never, you know, I would have never have thought this, or I've never would have, you know, like I've something similar happened or, you know, whatever it is. So I just long winded answer of saying, I really love doing this part of the show. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I know I'm, I, this is Melanie and I can speak for myself, which is, I think the personal narrative is one of the most powerful ways to create change because we can actually engage people's hearts, not just their minds. And, you know, here I, I will say for both Jennifer and I, um, writing not only our stories, but creating space and room for other people to share their, their stories has been one of the most impactful ways that we found to um, you know, allow folks to feel affirmed, to be seen, to be witnessed, as well as at the same time being exposed to stories really unlike their own. So for mm -hmm. me, that is really the revolutionary thing is, you know, having the space and the ability to be witnessed in their truth um, and allowing all pieces of that truth to be absolutely okay, exactly the way it is. I agree. I think being, being witnessed and seen is, is, uh, it's something that we don't get enough of these days, you know, and, and also cause we're so connected that we don't really, we kind of just forget even just seeing people on the day-to-day -day life, not to mention, you know, going even deeper and really true and seeing who someone is. We're, we're so, we're so connected. We're almost disconnected. You know, we forget about the mm -hmm. human side. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I would love to hear, I mean, I guess I want to start by just, uh, let's get, I want to hear your, your stories of how yoga came in and saved your life, both of y'all. And, and now what you're, what you're up to, there's so, there's so much you're up to, like we can go for, this could be a, a five uh, episode series. <laughs> yes, I would agree. I would agree. <laughs> so, I, I mean, who wants to start? Jennifer, Melanie, anybody who wants to start? Yeah, I don't mind. I don't mind jumping in. Um, okay. Yeah. So I found yoga when I was in grad school way back when, you know, this was a time when it was becoming cool to, to, to do yoga, to try yoga. Um, and, and literally that, that's how I did it by, you know, I remember doing videos in my apartment during grad school, um, 
engaging with this, this practice called yoga. Um, for me, why I chose to try yoga was because I needed to find a form of activity that was not related to my, my story of an eating disorder. So during college, um, I was diagnosed with an eating disorder and a part of how the eating disorder manifested for me was an exercise addiction. And I had been an athlete all of my life, played basketball, softball, soccer, you know, any sport. I just absolutely loved playing sports. And when I was in college, I was on the crew team and fell in love with crew. It was by far the hardest sport I'd ever played, but one of the most rewarding just because it was such a, such a team sport. And my second year on the team, we got a new coach and I'll never forget this. It was like, it's so like visceral when I recall this memory, but we were in the boat, we were practicing and he said to us, you know, I can tell how hard you work by how your body changes. And I took those words in so deeply because I was a perfectionist, a people pleaser, I was always the best at, on my team, you know, straight A student. Um, and now I was being challenged to prove my work ethic through my body. And this was, this was brand new for me. And the only way that I could make sense of that was to, to shrink, to get smaller. I mean, how else could it, could someone recognize that I was working hard and certainly you know, if we put that in context with social messages about, you know, which bodies fit and which bodies don't, of course, my leaning would be to get smaller, right? Because that's, they're the messages that we're fed all the time. Um, so, you know, I, I was on a mission now to prove my work ethic through my body. And that, that spiraled really quickly and fiercely um, into a full-blown eating disorder. And, you know, I'm not blaming the coach. It's, it's really the way I took in his words um, and internalized them and then kind of acted on them. And certainly when I think back on, you know, my, my, the full story of my life and different things that happened in my life way before going to college and also just those, some of those personality traits that I, you know, named, I definitely had all the ingredients for an eating disorder. So I think that that event was just kind of what, what kicked it into to gear. Um, so coming back to your original question, you know, at this point in graduate school, I was really missing this part of myself who loved to be active. Um, and I needed to find a way to do that, that was safe and would not jeopardize my recovery. And that's when I turned to yoga to, to, to kind of get some activity back in my life. And what ended up happening was I, I landed in a really wonderful community I wasn't long after that I started to study to be a teacher, taught for many, many, many years um, before, you know, real life of getting married and having kids and a full-time job and, and all of that. Um, and actually once real life kicked in, and I'm saying real in quotes, of course. Um, yeah. <laughs> versus, um, versus the fake life. Quotes, but I'm doing like, I'm sitting here real in quotes. Um, once like real life kicked in and, you know, my yoga practice fell away and I found myself in a really, really severe relapse actually of the eating disorder. Mm. Um, and it was in that time that I really, really knew that, you know, I needed my practice back in my life and, I needed to kind of take that 
to a next level by really making it the lens through which I view my life and live my life. Um, and that has really set me on my path to doing the work that I do today as a yoga therapist. I, I love, um, you know, a couple, like, I mean, a couple things to stand out when you, when you say, you know, when your coach told you those things and how you took it in, I think a lot of us, you know, forget, you know, any, you know, we can be in, um, in recovery in many different, in, in many different ways. And we can be in, in an abuse with, with any type of relationship with anything, whether it's a person or a substance or a food or whatever it is. But when we're younger, we don't, at times we don't have, you know, there's no, there's no tool book to life. There's no like, hey, this is how you deal with this when someone says this, or this is how you react when, you know, this is how you take someone's anger and you lay it off of you and not internalize it. Yeah. And so we're, when we're young and, and even as adults, and we're still trying to figure things out and get really grounded in our own ways, we don't have the tools and techniques to, to deal with that stuff. So we do the best that we can. And then it ends up turning into something you know, it can go one of two ways or one of a million different ways. And sometimes it has a, a, a deeper, um, a deeper hit on us. Melanie, I want to hear your story. Yeah, absolutely. I think in many ways it's, it's similar to, to Jennifer's. Um, mm -hmm. and yet it becomes a little more general. I, I almost feel like mine was sort of <laughs> the, the general story of growing up a girl in this culture, um, where it was really about, you know, the messages coming from the media, from family about being small, you know, be, being, you mm -hmm. know, knowing, knowing one's place, not taking up too much space, not wanting too much, not being too much. And at the same time, um, not really having, you know, our appetite to drive us. There was a really big rhetoric around mind over matter and being able to have willpower and control. And for me, I always felt like my body was out of control. My desire was out of control. My appetite was out of control. I just could not get that sort of mind over matter denial thing down where, you know, my, my grandmother had a down pat. And so there were definitely a lot of associations around worth um, that came through that and value as well as feeling just generally that I, you know, that I was out of control and that I could not trust myself. And mm -hmm. that manifested in so many different ways from being in relationships that were really super toxic, um, tolerating really horrible things in my life to really doubting that I could self-actualize in any meaningful way. I really just did not see the possibility of becoming a full person. I felt like I had to be someone's attachment or adornment. And so sure. when I came to yoga, for me, it was kind of dealing with all of the, you know, I would say low grade depression that came from existing in that way, to coming to terms with my body, to learning uh, and, and practicing what forgiveness feels like, right? What acceptance mm. feels like, what it looks like to actually be in union and harmony with one's body, as opposed to having the intellect or, you know, the desire, um, fight the body. And so there was just a real sense of peace and a homecoming that happened through my yoga practice, which was, um, I don't know, happened about two years after I came to sociology and women's studies and, you know, feminist practice and had kind of gotten the intellectual liberation down pat. And then the practice was really about how it plugged into my body, how I could live that way, how I could feel that way, how I could exist that way. 
And that was really the very clear moment for me where I was going to combine those two elements of having a really critical consciousness, you know, raising consciousness, both intellectually, spiritually, mentally, and emotionally, and, you know, finding a way to present that to folks so that they could find their own unique form of liberation. And that really was the beginning of all the work that I've done since from writing to co-founding the Yoga and Body Image Coalition, to being a professor, to being a coach. That is the hub of all my work or is the ways that those two things came together, the sort of intellectual awareness and liberation, and then the physical and emotional liberation. And that all came, you know, through my yoga practice. That was the glue for all of it. What part of the practice do you think, actually, I'd love to, I'd love this question for both of y'all, Melanie, just because I'm with you right now. What part of the practice do you think was, I feel like there are a lot of tools that we teach, like asana, pranayama, blah, 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 that get you to a yogic state. What part of, or what tools did you find where you're like, you know, if you were to give someone some, um, some advice or some simple like life hacks as to like <laughs> what happens when you start to get derailed, what things do you do to check back in to make sure that your train is back on, on the track? Well, I, I mean, I'll tell you that that's looked, um, different at different points in my life. You know, I started mm-hmm. my practice in my early twenties and I am now in my mid forties. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I've been a 10 different people <laughs> since then. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> my practice has taken on many different forms. Uh, and I won't lie and, and, and pretend that it was only the meditative aspect. It very much was, the physical as blended with the mental. So, you know, Jennifer was talking about, you know, she'd done all of these sports, was very physically active. I also um, had a tendency at that point to do a lot of sort of of what they call exercise bulimia. Like that that was something I could get on with. And there was also the part that I liked the adrenaline rush, right? And so when I came into a very physical yoga class early in my life, there was the experience of the physicality. There was a, the, the movement was very appealing. It appealed to that sense of, uh, you know, that should be active. And yet at the same time, the way that the movement happened was flowing and graceful. Uh, the rhetoric that went with the movement from my own teacher was the antithesis to everything that I had absorbed in fitness and diet culture about, you know, no pain, no gain and keep pushing yourself here. It was actually about compassion. It was about moderation. It was about not comparing or competing. So it was this really wonderful blend that allowed me to experience the actual physical nature of my body in a very new way, which opened it up to listening and to then responding to that, whereas now, I mean, it looks very different. My my yoga practice and my mindfulness practice is ongoing all throughout the day, right? It's from simply taking the pause to taking the breath um, and things of that nature. So it's become, I think, simplified and fine-tuned in many ways. Um, but I'm not going to pretend that the physical part was not a wonderful gateway for me. So for in terms of advice, I always think it's important for people to really find what truly and authentically calls to them and speaks to them and not to make it more complicated than it needs to be. Maybe just taking the practice of taking the breath, you know, taking the pause, that can be a wonderful way to start to engage that curiosity about who they are and what they feel and what they need. What are your current, like when you're in your practice currently right now, what does it look like? Like what three things are you currently doing a lot of? Is it more physical? Is it more meditation? Is it more 
uh, you know, study? What does it look like for you currently? Oh my God, my I am steeped in this all the time, all the time, just in a very <laughs> different way. At this point, um, the three top things that I can say is um, I do walking meditations. So I walk um, at least an hour a day, sometimes in one you know section, other times apart. And it is about the movement. It is about the flow. I'm oftentimes doing, you know, affirmations, visualizations. I'm bringing the meditative state there. Uh, I'm doing tons of self-study all the time with my own mentors and coaches in terms of how can we deepen these sort of tools uh, when we get agitated or frustrated or scared. So again, using sensation, just the awareness of sensation as a Mm -hmm. point to realign Um, And then Mm -hmm. I do uh, a meditation practice and I have mantra practices. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I throw them all in there all the time. Like it is an on ongoing thing. Um, Very, very, like I said, deeply immersed because I'm holding space for a lot of people all of the time. So it's an absolutely crucial um, element to my work is to be constantly going deeper in my own practices. Absolutely. I love that. Jennifer, I want to hear more about like, what are you, what were, I mean, like, like, you know, same thing, it's similar to what Melanie was saying, like it shifted and it changed over time. Did you have any things that really stuck with you or really, you know, again, when, when the train started to go off the tracks, what was it that brought you back on mm-hmm. and that kept you grounded and, and kept you into that work, but it, that reminder to come back over and over? Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, certainly I, asana was my, my doorway in, um, and that was exact, you know, exactly what I needed back in grad school because I needed to redefine my relationship with my body. I needed to redefine my relationship with movement and exercise. Um, and the yoga space was the place where I learned that I, I don't have to beat myself up all the mm-hmm. time. I don't have to be in you know, a self-destructive relationship with myself, you know, Melanie mentioned the word compassion, you know, that learning compassion toward my body, um, was hugely pivotal, pivotal in, in how I learned to relate to myself and, and the world really. Mm Um, you know, um, so certainly that asana was, it was the primary, um, focus in the beginning. And then as I, evolved, um, in my recovery, um, as a woman, as a mother, you know, and then eventually back in treatment in my thirties, um, coming out of that, finding, uh, the yoga therapy program where I studied, that's where I was introduced to the philosophies and meditation practice and mantra practice, learning about how yoga affects the nervous system. Mm -hmm. You know, when we start to view your being through, you know, this idea of a nervous system, right? And now all of a sudden you have this kind of way of describing like, okay, my body is responding to this traffic, right? I'm feeling anxiety or, okay, I hear, I can feel my heart racing now. My nervous system's telling me that I'm scared, right? Like it was just a new way to start understanding my responses to, to life. And, um, so just that perspective has opened up so much. Um, I would say right now, self-study is, you know, is number one. It, it's the constant. And what that has given me through learning the philosophies and creating practices around the philosophies, carrying them with me is the shift between calling a diagnosis, you know, a demon or 
a monster or the thing that we have to banish to realizing that it holds a wealth of wisdom mm -hmm. and that is filled with lessons and gifts. Mm -hmm. And so that just that shift in relating to, you know, a diagnosis or, you know, whatever it is, whatever you think your demon is, right. It's actually, it's actually this, this, this beautiful opportunity to learn about yourself. So that's the lens through which I'm always using my yoga practice um, lately. And certainly when I'm holding space for others to do um, as a yoga therapist, I, I, lo I, love I that. have a regular, Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean, no, that. you're good. I was just saying, I love that. Oh, Oh, good. Um, and then in terms of like, like daily rituals um, every morning I do um, a little, journaling for the day, just kind of setting my mind on like gratitude, setting my intention for the day, listing my top three goals for the day, uh, usually professionally, and then, you know, listing like three self-care goals. Um, I do a little reading. I, I'm, you know, try to read something inspiring just to, to nourish my, my intellect. And then I do a short, usually a short meditation. And I try to do some asana at home, um, or in a class two or three times a week. But it's funny, whereas, you know, in my early days, you know, awesome, you know, going to yoga meant 90 minutes. It had to be 90 minutes. There had to be a lot of vinyasas and it had to be hot. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right? And now, now it's like, okay, I'm going to get up and do 20 minutes and there's my practice. Yeah. And that's completely great. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Vinyasa equals hot sweaty yoga class every single time. <laughs> I know. I used to be such a snob about that. It's I crack up when I think back, you know, um, how how we can evolve in our practices. And like Melanie said, the practice is the pause, it's the breath, it's it's all of that all the time. Well, and and you know, the, and to agree with both of you, with both of you said sometimes, you know, the physical is very. There's a lot of great stuff that happens in the physical, you know, like in any relationship, whether it's toxic or not. But there's a lot of really great things that happen from physical asana. There's oh, a lot of yeah. tapas that happens there. There's a lot of growth and change Absolutely. and shift and and there's you know there's stira and sukha, the practice of that there that you can bring to the outside world. There's a beauty that happens in in physical yoga, and the same, like I was, you know, kind of alluding to earlier, it's one of the tools to get us to be yoga. You know, it's one of the things like meditation or pranayama or whatever it is to, to help us be in a yogic state. That's right. I always say, you know, we have to include our bodies in the process of healing our minds. You know, they are not separate, mm -hmm. you know? And, um, I mean, if we look back at, you know, the purpose of asana is to prepare the body to sit, mm -hmm. right? So we need, we need our bodies in, in all of it. Yeah. And, and the mind. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and Y'all both have, have actually, I know that writing or I mean, maybe I'm making this assumption. Um, the writing has been a big part of your healing as well. You, you both have written some really cool things. Let's, let's chat about those. Yeah. Things. I mean, for me, one of the things is when I, you know, began to see how my practice had begun to transform my relationship with my body. And I would say myself overall, and that became this wonderful gateway into empowerment and liberation. I just naturally felt compelled to want to offer that to as many people as possible. And really the first kind of iteration of that is when my co-editor, Anna Guest Jelly, and I uh, created the anthology Yoga and Body Image, where we wanted to you know, gather together really diverse stories from people with very diverse backgrounds on what that looked like and felt like for them so that they would have the process of mm -hmm. going through the cathartic experience of writing their story and then having more and more people share it. And of course, both she and I 
contributed our stories. And so that was one of the ways that we began to kind of combine those things. And, you know, uh, I've continued to do that in many ways. Yoga Rising came out, uh, Embodied Resilience is um, coming out later next year. Jennifer has a chapter that is also going to be in that. And Jennifer and I um, have a retreat in New Zealand coming up. I'm sorry, why did I just say New Zealand? It's in Iceland. <laughs> Man- manifestation, manifestation. <laughs> totally. We're going to Iceland next March and we, uh, are, we're combining the writing and the yoga and the self-inquiry and the self-study um, based on a workshop that she and I taught here in Los Angeles uh, earlier this year. So we that has been part of our own process, but it's also been part of what we have done as individuals and as well as with our platforms to create space for others to do the same. And then bringing um, the mm-hmm. experiential component of how can we guide you right deeper into that. So the writing has come up all over the place in different ways. And it's, like I said, it's one of the most exciting pieces for me because we can really move beyond the intellect, the rationality, the reason, the oftentimes tendency for people to look at what separates us or makes us different and just really come together heart to heart and see how much we have in common as well as learn about people that maybe we don't normally have in our field. And I think there's there's something beautiful about having the personal transformation through the writing, but then offering something to the collective as well. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. I mean, I'm a big fan of, of journaling, but for, for me personally, and even on my retreats and whatnot, I I do the same thing as I think getting what's upstairs outside is really, really, really good. Taking it out for a walk is really nice Mm -hmm. and refreshing. (laughs) Definitely. Yeah. Giving voice, you know, Mm -hmm. giving voice to your story. Um, it's, it's so validating. Yeah. Yeah. And also, also, you know, when another thing that happens is when you, when you get it out is you start to realize like, oh, which part is just a story versus what's actually happening right now and where I'm at. It's another, you know, again, another way of, of being able to, to analyze and to see what's going on. It's just so wonderful on, on so many levels. And, it keeps you from, I think, oftentimes squirming away from things, right? Or, you know, you kind of like you're really faced with um, some of the beauty and the magic of the light and the dark of what makes us who we are. And I think it's just, it's such a wonderful process that sometimes people take for granted, you know? Um, And in fact, to be quite honest, it's part of the reason that for both Yoga Rising and Yoga and Body Image, uh, I had one of the contributors create uh, discussion guides. And those are actually up on the book's websites and our free downloadable files, which is really meant to offer a a support that as people read the books, they can have prompts to kind of go into those stories, but also really examine themselves and see how those themes and those topics and those experiences either relate or don't relate to their experiences and expand their own frame of reference for their own experience, as well as how they look at these issues and topics as a whole. Very cool. I love that. That's such a great way to support the reading and also, but mm-hmm. in addition to that, more the more community around that as well. Absolutely. Because one of the other things that people are encouraged to do is they, you know, we've had people all around the world who are part of the coalition or have been reading the books. Um, they have taken those discussion guides and not only have they used it in their own journey and inquiry, but they've also used it to many times create groups where they come together in community, like you said, and they kind of go through that as a collective 
active. And there's really wonderful guidelines also about how do you create a community event? How do you hold space? How do you make this, you know, a safe space? So yeah, that was exactly the point. It's for me, it's always about the personal transformation for the greater good or for the collective liberation. Let's do both at the same time. Amen. <laughs> yeah, more of that on repeat. <laughs> yeah, and 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 nobody can say it better than Melanie Klein. Let's just be honest. Oh, about that. thank you. <laughs> I mean, I I, I will echo uh, uh, both of your guys' messages. Is just so beautiful, and it's just it's such a. There are many different ways where yoga can save us, you know, and whether it's you know any any type of any type of thing, it's just such a great way. And what y'all have done with it is just so. I mean, it's it's moving and it's impactful, and I love that you are. I, Again, I'm, I'm a, I just keep going back to the same thing. I don't know how else to express it. I love that we get to share these voices. I love that we not only get to like mm-hmm. post the stories, but we get to hear them. And that makes it a little more okay for the rest of us that aren't ready to say it out loud yet or don't have you know the opportunity to say it out loud. It just gives us a little more connection into that source. Absolutely. That that feels like a mic drop for me. <laughs> That's like a mic drop statement. It was really great. Agreed. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Exclamation point times 100. Well, I can't I can't yeah. thank y'all enough for for coming on the show and you know, being brave and, and sharing your stories, but also be, being even braver and, and, and guiding others through their stories and, and helping them, you know, connect to what is, what is, what is right now and, and what is, you know, source. And I just can't thank you both enough for, for and for breaking in that we had a, the first three people on the show. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we did pretty good given that we're all in different cities. Yeah, we're doing exactly different time we're doing zones. Great. <laughs> we are doing great. Absolutely. Thank you so much for taking the time and giving us the platform to share this. I mean, Jennifer and I are so excited about what we're doing individually as they're so complimentary, obviously, but also what she and I are co-creating together. And we just invite folks to reach out to both Jennifer at Yoga for Eating Disorders, as well as myself, either on my personal website, which we'll provide, or the Yoga and Body Image Coalition. There are endless ways that we can offer resources and support and connections um, that, you know, will, I think, really uh, help anyone who's finding different access points to this work or just their own personal journey. And we'll make sure that we leave all that in the show notes. As, as always, people can go and find y'all. And this is, that's what we're here for. Get the voice out there. Create the platform so that people can get the voice out there. That is the whole point. <laughs> Boom. Exactly. I love yes. it. Well, until the next Yogi Misfit session, this is Danny, Jennifer, and Melanie. That's three. One, two, three people saying peace out. For the final part of the show, we're going to feature some inspiring stories from members of the Fierce Calm tribe. First up, we have Melanie Waldman. In 2013, just after I was diagnosed with lupus, my right arm was amputated below the elbow. My yoga saved my life story is this. Though unrelated to my diagnosis, my amputation was due to a rare allergic reaction to heparin used in hospitals to treat blood clots. One of the few things I can remember at the time was how fortunate I felt due to the love and energy surrounding me. This truly was what motivated me to fight on. In yoga, I began my practice about five or six years ago before the amputation. So at this time, probably closer to 10 total. My physical practice was put on hold because of all of this, but eventually found my way back three years later. 
My local studio welcomed me in and personally helped me to create my own adaptive yoga practice. Nine months later, I completed a 200-hour yoga teacher training, and I am now teaching my first year in. Still, that was at that same studio, and I will forever be grateful to Grow Yoga and Tara Van Ness that they took the time with me and gave me the space that I needed to find my way back into my new skin. Once I worked my way into a consistent practice, it later helped me through my emotional recovery. Yoga reminds me to let go, be my authentic self, and has allowed me to focus on my power, both on and off my mat. Despite my struggles with chronic nerve pain, I was able to find my edge through my flow. Because of yoga, I was able to finally realize that my possibilities are endless. As hard as it is sometimes, it can be to bring up the past, it makes sharing my story all the more worth it. Because I can now look back to see the path that I've come along and see since then that it has been one of true strength and resilience. I know that every day is a gift and I can now see that my power exists because I choose to take life for what it is. My life, your life, is a gift. Namaste, my friends. And lastly, we hear from Fabiola Fasura. I don't see my condition in the same way as many others do because I believe it comes to teach us something and I only can consider myself as a very blessed person. Even not being healthy as other people, no big harm ever happened to me. Don't get me wrong, sometimes it isn't easy, but it's okay. We don't have to be strong at all times and I won't use as an excuse and I choose happy. I've never been through conventional treatments and I've chosen a vitamin-based treatment that always work well for me. But when I found yoga last year, it changed my life for better. In conjunction with meditation, I stopped the vitamin treatment and now my lesions are shrinking. Yoga, it's been my best therapy and treatment. I have so much love for yoga that it has become a passion. I decide to become a yoga teacher to be able to pass this love to people and share the energy I've been receiving with others. I just want to thank you for the opportunity of sharing something that transformed my life in such a beautiful way. Namaste. That's it for today's session. I just want to thank you and all the guests. I appreciate all of them sharing their stories. Until the next Yogi Misfit sessions, this is Danny saying peace out.